And I'm Kristen. And we are the Extra Sisters. So sit back, relax, and let's get creepy. Welcome to another installment of Horror Around the Globe, our foreign horror series where we go around the globe and talk about (laughs) horror. (laughs) So we are still in Iran. So last time we talked about A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night. And in this installment, we are going to talk about Under the Shadow, again from Iran. And this film actually is super... We were just talking about right before we started how... It's always interesting to talk about film from other countries, but it's particularly interesting. I think humans just uh, obviously we have a fascination with war because we're Mm -hmm. always in war, especially from the United States. I don't know if we've ever not been in war, (laughs) even if it's not been on our own soil. Obviously, we just like to go fuck shit up elsewhere because we're the fire nation. so. (laughs) So this is actually about it's it is in the 1980s. And this is when Iraq and Iran are at war. And so it's it was super interesting to see another country at war when we were not involved. Or even yes. if we were, it wasn't like our conflict, you know what I mean? Because we're like the world police. But I don't know. Honestly, I didn't. I just watched this last night and I honestly stopped watching it at like one o'clock in the morning. So I <laughs> passed Damn. the fuck out. <laughs> Yeah, I when I say I procrastinate, I come <laughs> down to the last second. <laughs> usually not that bad, but I just you know how like and this is not on topic, but you know how like when you don't feel like doing anything at all, sometimes even like watching a movie when you know that you have to watch it, yes. not because you want to watch it. Even if you know it's gonna be good, you're like, I am refusing to on principle. Yes, that has actually so, been a huge problem of mine lately, just because life has gotten so crazy, you know, more jobs i'm trying to plan actually a wedding ceremony there's just so much stuff going on that yeah even loving horror i sometimes go i don't want to watch that today but i have to yeah that's exactly what happened to me last night and so i was just laying on the couch watching the new i have this thing with like reality tv but not like not like the you know 90 day fiance type i mean like the a and e type like hoarders and like intervention and like the type the psychological like hopefully you get warm fuzzies at the end and people like turn their lives around type of thing I was gonna say those are your usually your feel-good shows when you're having a bad day right yes yeah I like (laughs) to see like when I'm not doing great mentally I like to see other not other people that are struggling but like that turn it around except last night on all the intervention episodes I watched I watched like four episodes and like half of them ended up not doing well at the end and I was like no usually it's like have been sober or with their children and like relapsed not sober and I was like oh we're rooting for you (laughs) (laughs) anyways so I just ended up watching and then it ended up being like nine o'clock and I was like I have got (laughs) to go upstairs and watch under the shadow and this is not a long movie 
but it's only like an hour 23 or something like that. Mm-hmm. But then I ended up going upstairs and then I got on TikTok and then all of a sudden I was like, <laughs> it's midnight. Right. <laughs> so I did not stay up very late to look up the Iran revolution, which is what this was. I did look a little bit and it ended up being kind of about Western culture and mm-hmm. values and it was very interesting. It was a very cultural war from what I gathered. Yes, that was actually the interesting part to me as after this movie, I wanted to look up what the hell happened because I had mentioned in A Girl Walks Home Alone, I did know that they were more chill about what women wore and things like that in, you know, like the 60s. And I was like, when did obviously this this is when this happened. So 1979 is when this happened and it was it was because of western culture coming in and you know people wanting to buy blue jeans and all of these things that the religious fanaticists took over and that is why women have to wear the the head pieces now and all of that and that's basically what this film is about it's about a woman who was going to medical school prior to this war and this religious fanaticism and she was able to go into like you know she was a young girl in college she wanted to join in the the political fight and she was going to rallies and things like that and then it actually ends up marking her career forever she can't even go back to medical school because she was a part of that leftist group and now they are so far on the conservative side that she is basically marked forever which is so sad because in the beginning she tries to fight for her way back into the university because there's clearly only one place to go get your education in her area. Right. And she wants to be a doctor and help her community. And it clearly very much is defining how she sees herself at this point in her life because she's a mother now to like a probably five-year-old, six-year-old. Mm-hmm. And she her daughter is grown enough to where she doesn't need to be relied upon as much and that's hard for stay-at-home moms I think when for most moms stay-at-home moms when their child gets old enough to be self-sufficient and you're still at home but now you kind of need something and I'm not saying all moms are gonna be like I'm gonna go to medical school Mm. but that's what she was doing prior to also we hear that her mother has died recently and we even see a medical textbook that her mother gave her when she went to medical school for the first time so there's also that part of it that her mother has died and she doesn't want to give up on this dream that her mother probably wanted for her and i'm sure that textbook was not cheap right exactly so she probably may have sacrificed you know to get her that textbook and So she tries to go back and basically is like, I was a young kid. I didn't know what I was doing. It was just kind of the thing to do in school was, you know, go out and be in protests. And it was kind of just the cool thing to do is what she tries to argue. You can tell, though, she doesn't believe that. (laughs) Right. I mean, not to jump ahead, but throughout the film, we're seeing like she talks to her daughter about how you're not allowed to tell people we have a VCR. She does, you know, Jane Fonda tapes. So she's very much still in that. She wants to be a part of that Western culture. I mean, this was less than a decade ago that this even happened. So of course she still has all of those wants. And this is such a new thing. Like there are times when she forgets to put on her, her headpiece 
and it's because it's new to her. It's not something she wanted. It was something where she wanted to, you know, fight for women's rights and all of this stuff and not be barred from these things when she was younger. And she still feels that way. Honestly, I was surprised that she was even, and this might be my own ignorance, but was even going to medical school to be a doctor in the first place, because I know in these countries, I did a research project, and I mentioned this when we talked about A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night, about Iran specifically and their marriage cultures and their sex education cultures, and there's still a lot of oppression. And I'm not saying that women can't do things on their own. It very much depends on where you are, and I don't know anything about where she was plus this time because this woman is an Iranian actress, so obviously she can do, she can't do that. But in this time, too, and especially during this, there is not quite as much accessibility, obviously. Right. You can definitely tell that it is indicative of the time because she she was going to medical school when it was still okay. But I do agree with you. It's like, I'm surprised, not even a decade later, they haven't just been like, no, women can't be doctors at all. I'm surprised. Yeah. So... We have her now kind of losing some of her identity. Her husband is a successful doctor, and that's difficult for anyone, I think, to watch someone not just live your dream, but that comes home to you every day to talk about their day. Yeah. That's rough. Yes. Like, literally living your day that you would want. Like, if you could create your perfect life, it is still your family, so you have that one part of it. But then this, your husband literally is living the other part of it. Right, exactly. And because he's a doctor, it's not like they want for anything. But, you know, there are still dreams that people have that need to be fulfilled somehow. Right. You still, I think that a lot of us, especially here in the United States, we're very privileged in so many ways. But in a lot of ways, just talking from our own experiences here, you get caught and there are a lot of people that like my husband, for example, he got his, he's incredible. And he'll say this all day. He's incredibly privileged because his grandfather paid for his college in full. He got to go and get the degree he wanted. Now he has a job that he's very happy with. And I dropped out of college because I just couldn't, I, my FAFSA was never enough. And I, the bridge line, you know how it is, Kristen, you did the same thing. Like, Mm -hmm. I have a job and then I have a nice house and all these things, but it's like, I constantly am like, I'm not fulfilled. And like, I don't know what I want to do with my life. And Mm -hmm. I'm almost 30. And like, am I going to do this forever? And I'm not really a hundred percent happy doing it. And like all these things. And it's just like, there's always something that's missing. Even if you have in essence, all of the things that you, that are, that can make you happy. You know what I mean? Right. And especially if you know exactly what you want to do. Like, I don't know. I wouldn't know, you know. Exactly. That's my failure, too. The things that I want to do, I don't know how to make money in. So what do I do now? Exactly. Like this. (laughs) Right. Exactly. I would love to do this for the rest of my life. But people don't want to pay us for this. So what do I do next? And it's like talking about movies. Like, yeah, a movie critic is a job. But, like, it's not... That's not exactly like you don't grow up being like, I want to be a movie critic. It's not like a career path. You get incredibly lucky. Right. Exactly. That's not, that's not, 
the you know YouTube as far as that goes. There's like Chris Stuckman and a few others that got that hit it well. I'm not mm-hmm. saying he didn't work hard, like, but he'll even say and he said that he, you know, he hit right as he should have. And right. then, you know, it's not like you just grow up and you're like Roger Ebert, you know, right? Like, exactly. So that's tough. And but now as this woman, she knows she's always wanted to be a doctor. That's her dream, and her dream is dead. Yes. And it's, and it's the saddest thing because she almost had it. Like she was going to medical school. She, there's a medical school right there. She could technically go back in, but now because of something that she did when she was younger that she's not embarrassed by, but now needs to be, she, she can't do this. And even her husband, when she tells him what happened, he basically tells her that it's probably for the best. And it's like, that's really harsh to say. Right. He's like, oh, well, you're a stay-at-home mom. That's good enough. Right. Which it is for a lot of people, and that's fine. But if you want something else, there's nothing wrong with that. Exactly. So he has to go off to another – basically, he gets sent to a a more dangerous area because he's needed elsewhere. Yeah. And – and this is after she like gets rid of all of her medical textbooks and she just keeps one book of physiology given to her by her, her mother and her husband goes off to a more war torn area. That being said, she stays in this city with her daughter, but her husband says you should go off because there's a rumor that this city is the next target. Right. But she doesn't want to go partly because she's just having a lot of like she's trying to deal with the fact that her dream is dead and she just needs time to deal with that. But also he wants her to go and be with his family. And she makes a comment. She's like, last time we did what they said was Tehran gets bombed and we get the shrapnel. And that is really cruel to say basically because the family shows up and they have to take care of them. This little girl and this mom they're the shrapnel and that is really cruel to say to your family yeah i mean let's say dallas started getting bombed and my mother and brother ended up at my house it would at least uh, yeah i would much rather you exactly almost dead exactly like it's a fucking war it's not like they dropped the bombs would you rather they die exactly that's so awful like i wouldn't want to go either exactly (laughs) i wouldn't want to go stay with them Mm mm-mm like, maybe I would because if I had my kid and I would just deal right. with the, the backlash, you know? But but I'd probably wait a while, too, like her, honestly. But yeah. there is a point when they hear that there are bombs coming right now to Tehran. And, you know, it, once it's to that point, there's more of the horror drama. This little girl has a doll that gets taken and they end up having to find it. And it's too late at that point. So she ends up getting stuck in this apartment building. But it's like, I don't know. I I would probably wait a while to go, too. Yeah, that's a hard decision because it's like they've been living with these bombs for a while. And, you know, one they have a a basement, basically, where they can kind of stay safe, assuming Mm -hmm. one doesn't just directly hit the building. So it is still kind of a gamble, obviously. But they've been safe up to this point in this war. I mean... You know, the whole country's at war, so some places are just safer than others. 
But right. if you're in this kind of metro central place, obviously they're going to try to hit you. And so they go, you know, down to this basement. And w- at some point when they do that, there's this other boy here that gives Dorsa, her daughter, something. It's really hard to tell what it is. And then it's after that exchange is when this kind of kicks off. And she starts talking to her mother about being scared of these things, which are called gens, I believe. Yeah, they're genies. Yeah. Which I actually looked them up. And as soon as, because I wanted to see what one looked like, you know, just in mythology. And they're, yeah, you're right. It looks like a, a genie from Aladdin. Like, as far as like what we know them to look at, because we look like because of Aladdin. But <laughs> Right, exactly. That's where genie from Aladdin came from, was from the djinn, which are much more sinister and creepy. And I think there's actually a movie coming out this year called The Djinn. And I hope it's about that because that's like we've seen enough ghosts we've seen enough you know possessions let's do some other cultures creepy shit yeah because it is not like robin williams no they are evil things yeah yeah but she believes that her doll will protect her but that doll goes missing yes it's her most prized possession because her dad got it for her and now her dad's not there and, you know, you're going to want that. So and She's sh- definitely a daddy's girl, too. Oh, oh, yes. Oh, yes. And you can tell that there's a little bit of a... I'm not saying she's a bad mom at all. She's not. She's she's doing good. But you can tell that there's a little bit of a... She doesn't want to be that stay-at-home mom character. She wants to be out there working. And he almost feels like maybe he would rather be a stay-at-home dad type of character. Yeah, and she's definitely, like, make, she does some things where you're, like, you need to not do that with your child. Yes. <laughs> you know, and but she's definitely, like, at her wits end. I mean, she's exactly. in a war. They're getting bombed. Literally, we'll get to it in a minute, but a missile comes through a roof in their building, and you can fucking, like, she could touch it. Yes, exactly. Like, the the stress that this poor woman is under is no joke. Right. Their lives hang in the balance every single day. Right. And there's that, you know, I get she's just a little girl, and I'm not saying anything against that, but, you know, kids can sometimes be incredibly annoying when they want something, like her doll goes missing, and she needs this doll, and she needs this doll, and she needs it, needs it, needs it, needs it. And that just, it's a constant fight with her about this doll, and it's like, you're when you're 20 you're gonna forget about that doll but you'll be alive so can we get the fuck out but she's like no i won't leave without this thing and it's just trying to balance that trying to protect your child with also trying to just get them in the fucking car without them freaking out type thing right because you know for this child that doll is a basically living thing you know right it is is as important to her as this child is to this mother in this child's brain so it's like you can't you know what i mean like you right. can't but this mother is having ptsd growing and growing and growing and growing right. from living in a war zone but she's just pushing that aside and not dealing with it plus her dream is dying plus her mother died six <laughs> months ago plus her husband is gone at plus war her, yeah exactly yeah but i know she's a child 
so this is totally a joke, but at the same time, if that doll is so goddamn precious, she drops that thing a lot and forgets about it. She's like, oh, no, I got to go get her. It's like, you just had her in your hand. How did you drop it? True. (laughs) Child brain. (laughs) Right. So this, obviously, like, we're in a war zone, right? So we have this boy that moved in with a neighboring family, and his parents were killed in an attack, and he is mute mm-hmm. supposedly but he has whispered something in Doris's ear and gives her this thing to ward off evil spirits and that's when she starts becoming very scared and the, her mom accidentally Shide I think is her name throws the charm away yeah. and after that shit goes sideways yes yeah and then Dorsa gets really sick her daughter gets a fever and like this fever doesn't go away it feels like for like weeks but it's probably days like days and days and days and days she has this fever and like you're not supposed to have a fever for that long (laughs) right and I feel like it's way longer than it should be before she finally takes her to the doctor well she feels like she's like a baby doctor Mm -hmm. you know so she's like treating it at home kind of by herself and they're also both getting these crazy nightmares. Every time they go to yeah. sleep, I'm like, <laughs> right. And they mentioned earlier that she can be a sleepwalker. And what I really liked about not only how they filmed it, but how they did these sequences is you don't know if she has woken up mm-hmm. or if she's still in a dream or a nightmare or what's happening is in real life or in her dream. Like it's really interesting the way that they filmed it and the way that they did the camera angles and the shots. And this movie is not overly scary, but it does have a very creepy atmosphere that is effective, but not to the point where you can't watch it. If that makes sense. Yes, it is super creepy. Like there is a point later on where the gin are starting to fuck with this family and she wakes up and there's a naked guy standing in her fucking doorway and then he just runs away fucking scary imagine if you were a i know she's not a single mom but in for all intents and purposes at this point she's a single mom because her husband is away at war being a doctor and so she's be having to be a single mother with a daughter and there is a naked man standing in your doorway while you're sleeping. Yes. And then she comes back and her daughter is talking to someone and she's like, who are you talking to? And she goes, the lady is standing over there and then there's nobody there. And it, it, it also just gets creepier and creepier because she gets more and more alone. They live in an apartment complex. And as the bombing gets worse and worse, people start to leave. Like her babysitter, basically, and friend in this building ends up going to Paris to stay with her son for a while. And it just gets less and less people like down in the, they keep going down in the basement when these bombings are happening. And it gets down to the point where it's just her and her daughter in this building alone. Terrifying. It's a big apartment complex too. Yeah. And not only that, but, like, before that even happens, like, I was talking about a missile comes through the roof. Like, that's kind of a big point of change. Mm-hmm. And they go and get her, and they basically consider her, like, the closest thing to a doctor at this point. Right. And say that, you know, oh, her they come to get her and say, oh, my, my dad's dying, my dad's dying, my dad's dying. She has to perform CPR on this elderly man with a live missile behind her. 
And before she even gets up there, she's trying to, like, make her daughter feel okay that this missile just came down on them. And you can see the crack in the ceiling. And she's trying to be with her. But then she's being pulled away. And her daughter's like, don't leave me, don't leave me, don't leave me, don't leave me. And it's like, as a mother and doctor, what are you going to do in this scenario? Mm, I get, I mean, for me, I probably... I don't know, because, like, you want to take your kid with you, but also you're going up to where the missile is. So it's Right, like- exactly. So the babysitter lady kind of, like, hangs out with her, which is awesome. That's She's an amazing person, but right. it's still just trying to, you know, balance those things in your life. And this is, you know, the ultimate dramatic way to show that. You're, you literally have to go save somebody next to a bomb or be with your child. Which one? Yeah, that's – it's an – really awful scenario (laughs) yeah but she goes up there and we basically find out later the man does die and we find out later because his daughter says i don't know what happened because obviously the missile came in but he was okay and then he was but he was looking at me and i went to go get him a glass of water and then he looked terrified and he was looking at something that was behind me and everyone in this apartment complex believes in this thing these things somebody even mentions that they're in the quran yes exactly so this is a this is a real thing to people and they also that little boy the mute little boy the family that he's with that woman the head of the family uh, like the the wife and the family is so awful to him yes like he's experienced something awful yes is traumatized his family was dead but it sounds like it's partially because of the jinn yes and instead she just thinks he's like this bad luck thing and she takes a lot of stuff out on him yeah and thinks that he is like a big cause of what's going on and also mentions to her that like he is like makes her suspicious of him because her Mm -hmm. daughter is now convinced that the doll is somewhere up near the upper floors where that missile came through or possibly with him, you know, somewhere up there. And the saddest part is she basically, she goes to tell her neighbor that she just doesn't want this little boy telling these gin stories to her daughter and scaring her anymore. And that's when the lady goes, Oh, he's mute. He doesn't say anything. But in doing that, this actually, she's the landlord. She's the landlord's wife. The landlord's wife basically sends all the kids away from this poor little boy and he ends up playing all by himself. So he's been through the most traumatic event in his life where he literally won't talk anymore. And now he also has no friends. Yeah. So sad. Isolating this poor child. Yeah. So we have now, the doll has been missing and now it's a big deal and the war is getting worse. People are leaving. She takes her daughter to the doctor and all the doctor says is, is everything okay at home? Like, Mm -hmm. you know, because stress can cause, you know, we're in a war and my (laughs) husband's gone. So like. Right. A little stressful, a little stressful. A little stressful, (laughs) you know. And her daughter's behavior is like it's getting worse. Like she's like, there is something in this fucking house mm-hmm. trying to run to the upper floors, banging on doors. The neighbors are starting to leave. Like you said, to escape the fighting. And then the landlord's wife says that these gins can possess humans and will steal a personal item of their victims. So she tells her that. And then they end up leaving too. 
Mm-hmm. And when they leave, that only leaves our mom and daughter characters. They're the only two people left in the building. And then her personal items start to go missing. So her workout tape that she does every day, that's kind of her like release. That's her stress release. She just does that. Like she wakes up one night scared and she starts to work out, you know? Yeah. Even without the videotape, like you can tell this is her thing. Yeah. Once it's gone, she's still doing it. Right. Her videotape has gone missing. And eventually also her book from her mother goes missing, even though it's in a locked drawer. Mm-hmm. and she's having these nightmares and visions involving something that moves like a ghost it's like a it's 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 a called a shador it's a like a cloak worn by women so it's like a full covering in their culture and it moves like a like a fucking ghost it's so fast like yeah. she's like she looks through the people sometimes and it just like whips past or it's like outside the window. Yeah. It's, it's creepy. But it's really, really well done. It made me think a lot of, actually, towards the end, a lot of the smudging that we did, our Native American horror movie, mm-hmm. where she ends up like in this, you know, weird realm and you don't know what's going on. That does happen. Eventually, she ends up under this piece of cloth fighting this, this gin to get her daughter back. And it was actually incredibly well done unlike the smudging I, I still like the movie but unlike the smudging this was amazingly done like i thought that the effects were really well or really good yeah. and so she finally because of all these things and i will say there are some jump scares in this that are pretty good yeah that are like super lame that you don't really see coming because they're different they're not like things popping out at you because the thing the jin when you do see it you know it's coming but when you don't know what's coming, like, you know that something is weird, but it's, like, really sudden. It's, yeah. It was like, good. Like, the the naked guy, when he's standing there, she chases him down the hall, and you're like, oh, my God, where's he going to go? Where's he going to go? He gets sucked up into the fucking ceiling. Creepy. Awesome. Yeah. Or there was one time she was, like, looking out a window and fixing tape that had fallen, and a hand just yes. goes right through it. I was like, I hate it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So she finally decides she's fucking out. She's going to leave. She's going to go. But one one night she actually gets so, I think it's the night of the naked man. She gets so scared she runs out of her house with her child on the street. She literally gets arrested for not having a head covering on. Yes. Even she's though there was panicking. someone in her house. And they, they threaten her with, I think it was like 47 lashes or something. You, you know, you know what it, and like I said, this has been less than a decade. She's. I'm sure she's getting more into the habit of wearing these pieces. But when you are in a panic trying to get out of that building, you're not going to put that on. No. You are not. Like, no no sympathy for someone breaking into your house or being in a war or nothing. Right? Exactly. Not to be like, there was a fucking naked man staring at me. Like, no. Okay, fine. Whatever. So when they do return, they're like, we're getting the fuck out of here. But Mm-mm. Dorsa will not leave without her doll. So she just starts ripping the house apart. But she got a call from her husband previously, and she left the phone off the receiver. And she picks it up. And it's her husband. But her husband wouldn't be able to call without it being on the receiver. Right. And that her 
husband, but it's not just starts screaming at her for being a bad mother and a mm-hmm. bad person and goes off. And then they do find the doll in the locked drawer that's open with its head gone, all of its limbs gone. Like they're there in there, but it's just ripped up. And the daughter is upset saying you did this because the woman that the daughter keeps seeing is basically lying to her, trying to like tear the family apart. Right. And so she repairs the doll with some tape and that's some strong tape. Dude. Right. I was like, you don't have a needle and thread anywhere. (laughs) Right. So when they're about to leave, an air raid siren goes off. And while they go down to the shelter, she's like, get your coat, get your coat. We're leaving as soon as this is over. So she, her daughter goes to run to get her coat. And I was like, you need to follow your fucking kid. Right. Like that drove me nuts. I was like, all of this shit going on, all these apparitions in your house, like you're not going to follow her. And then you just see her daughter like with a hood on and a blue coat, but you don't actually see her face. And so they're running down to the bomb shelter. When they get down there, you do hear her daughter screaming from upstairs, but you see her daughter standing next to her in the bomb shelter. And so she shines a light on her daughter's face and her daughter, like, you know, it's like, it's bright. And so you can't actually see her face. And so you're assuming that the thing with her is not the daughter. So she runs upstairs. She kicks her daughter in the face, though. Her daughter's like, don't go, don't go, don't go. She kicks her in the face to get away. That's harsh. Yeah. But it was actually her daughter in the basement. That she actually kicked in the face. (laughs) Yeah. And it's a gin upstairs fucking with her, trying to get her back upstairs and away from the little girl. Yep. And so she, under the bed, she is struggling with a gin that lured her under there. And that's when you kind of get to see, you know, it's it like makes this, it's like a mouth with teeth, I think. Yeah, it's super creepy. It doesn't like have eyes or anything. Yeah. And she does get away from it, goes back down to the shelter, and she sees that it's actually her daughter. And she's like, the fuck, mom? <laughs> like, <laughs> With a bloody face. Yeah. And there is obviously a Jin down there. It's the woman trying to say, like, she left you. And you basically seduce her daughter to, like, hate her mom, you know. And then they are attacked by the lady, you know, in the cloak. And... They have this whole struggle with it. Her mom is actually sinking into the floor at one point. But then they do escape after the struggle and they go to the parents. But right at the end, right at the end, you see that the doll's head detached and was left behind. And the medical textbook is still in the Jin's possession. So they may still be harassed when they Mm -hmm. get there. But also, they do still have the doll, but I guess not the medical textbook. So, I don't know. I don't know how that would work, I guess. Right. Because they were saying that they're basically cursed when you take these things. So, who knows? could last forever. Yeah. I would... Mm, Would not... mm, No. (laughs) It's like... This poor kid's like six and she's just going to be cursed forever. And like, what's interesting is like, you don't know how it ends like for like these types of, cause we don't know anything about Jin over. I mean, Mm -hmm. I'm not saying like everyone, but like we don't get movies about this over here. So like 
in demonic possession, you know that if it just you just stay possessed, you just end up in hell with the demons and your physical body dies and your soul mm-hmm. goes to hell. But like what happens if you stay possessed? Do they try to get like do you end up dying or are you just haunted forever and tormented forever? Like what's the end game here? You know what I mean? Right. So this film being you know, it it only had a box office of $126,642. I don't know what the budget was, but it looked as high budget as you would go see with The Conjuring. Yes, I thought this was amazing. There was no lapse in, like, quality. Like, and I'm not saying just because it's foreign, it would. However, like, with a low box office and it just going on circuit and it not having, you know, I like a huge wide release and things like that now granted it was distributed by you know xyz and vertical entertainment and they have done a lot of things and it was went to sundance it was filmed also in the uk jordan and qatar so had quite a few filming locations but it wasn't like just because it had like a a lower budget and was just on the festival circuit but it was selected as the british entry for best foreign language film at the 89th academy awards but it was not nominated so you know they did say this fucking film is good as shit (laughs) so i'm sure it wasn't nominated because it's a horror movie that's what i was about to say (laughs) so good now the critics give this a 99 percent on rotten tomatoes and audience score is 73 percent so I mean, it is an incredible film. Now, you're not going to get major, major scares out of this film, but it is creepy and it is different than things that you would typically see. Now, it's not necessarily comparable to A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night. They're very different films, like literally night and day because, you know, one's color, (laughs) one's black and white. But you can't really compare the two. As far as viewing experiences, I probably say I liked this one better, you know? Mm -hmm. But again, they're completely different films. Like, and we don't typically compare, but like, it's just interesting because I love that they're both women. Yeah. Leads. Yeah. Like, I just thought that was interesting. And so for this one, I'd probably, I'd probably give it a five. I didn't really have any major issues with it. I really enjoyed it. You haven't given a five in a long time. I know it's been months. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. Five out of five on on this movie. It was amazing. I loved everything about it. I I don't even think I have anything bad to say about it. Yeah, no, I I highly recommend it. It's condensed. It's an hour twenty three minutes twenty four says on Rotten Tomatoes, but I think when I was looking at it, it was twenty three. So it's short. It gets to the point, you know, I will say some people might think that the buildup is too long before stuff starts happening, but it's an hour, 23 minutes. Like that's still not a lot, you know, and Mm -hmm. I want more of this lore, this mythology. I'd love to see this because, you know, we know of genie as being funny, (laughs) but clearly they are not. So I'd love to see this de-Americanized. So... Agreed. Agreed. I want to see more. I'm loving doing the foreign horror series because we're seeing more creepy stuff that we don't know about. Right. Thank you so much for hanging out with us for this installment of Horror Around the Globe and our review of Under the Shadow. 
if you would like to watch this, it is actually available right now on Netflix for streaming. So check it out on Netflix. Just, you know, right now, go pull it up. No, I know you all have Netflix accounts or steal (laughs) from someone. So you definitely should, though. It's really good. Yeah. All the socials are the Extra Sisters podcast, except for Twitter, which is at the Extra Sisters. And if you would like to join our Patreon, it's patreon.com slash the Extra Sisters podcast. And if you would like to check out the new podcast, it is Oddest is Hottest on most streaming platforms right now, except for Apple. So we'll let you know when it gets there, unless it is at this point. Just look for it. Maybe it is. But it is definitely on Spotify, which is a pretty major platform there. And it is also on all of the social medias as Oddest is Hottest or Oddest Hottest on Twitter. Until next time, stay creepy.